You know, right in the midst of Mass, the world keeps on going. I'm trying to read the Gospel, and I see something right here in my peripheral vision. And I'm thinking, is that one of those floaters? You know, I've chased a floater around the bathroom once with a rolled up newspaper because I thought it was a bug. So I finished the gospel just now. I reached over. And it was one of those little bitty baby spiders. It went and met Jesus. But, you know, while we're having Mass, life goes on. <laughs> I just didn't know whether it was a bug or a floater. That's probably what you'll remember when you leave here this afternoon. That father's half nuts and can't figure out whether it's a bug or a floater. Well, I'll tell you another story. Once upon a time, truth, truth, walked down a village street as naked as the day he was born. Horrified, the villagers ran back to their houses and locked their doors and shuttered their windows. Taken aback, Truth continued walking until he met Story coming down the road facing him, smiling and dressed to the nines and... Noticing his dejection, she asked him why he was so sad. Nobody wants me, he said. As soon as they see me coming, they all run away. Well, that's because you're naked, responded Story. People are afraid of naked truth. Look, I'll make you some nice clothes, and, and we'll see how people respond. Reluctantly, Truth agreed, and two weeks later, he dressed himself in the suit that Story had made for him. At first, he felt kind of uncomfortable to be all covered up and everything. But when people began to accept him and welcome him into their homes... Well, he relaxed a bit. Soon, truth and story became best friends. Then you know what happens. Uh, eventually, uh, a little bit of romance, and they got married. And they had three children, a boy and two girls. The children's names were Myth, fable, and parable. A story makes truth more approachable and leads us to discover it for ourselves. It also makes it more memorable. We recall a story much more readily than we do just an abstract discourse otherwise known as fathers up there droning again. Today's gospel reading from St. Matthew narrates the familiar parable of a sower. Well, it was familiar 
four or five generations ago. But we're not agrarian people. I know that some of you went to that agricultural school, Texas A&M. That's the agricultural part. So you know what a sower is, but the rest of us city folks, we don't see many sowers much anymore. And we certainly don't see many people hand sewing. Now, maybe our grandmothers sew, S-E-W, but in terms of sowing, of throwing seed out to plant a garden, most of us have not seen that before. And the story goes on and talks about the different kinds of soil on which the seed falls. The story encourages us to reflect on our lives and our response to the good news of God's loving care, his reign over his kingdom. It invites each of us to ask, what kind of soil am I? Am I receptive to God's word? Have I listened? Do I nurture it regularly and carefully? Do I let it get down into my heart and into my soul so that I become God's co-worker in the birth of a new creation? The sower, this farmer, and maybe we need to just call him an Aggie. This Aggie, as depicted by Jesus, sows seeds prodigiously liberally. He just throws it everywhere. Now, I'm quite sure if he did go to Texas A&M, he didn't pay attention because there are certain ways that we all know you get the best harvest. And one of those ways is not to throw it on the sidewalk or the parking lot. But maybe, maybe he was an Aggie. I had a friend once. He said all, and he was an Aggie. He said all the Aggie jo jokes in the world are true. But they were always true about his roommate, not him. But this farmer, this Aggie, if you will, he just threw so seed everywhere he went. He was seemingly unconcerned that some of the seed might be lost or that it might fail to bear fruit. This is an image of a God, our God, who in the words of the Irish poet Brendan Kennelly goes about his work determined to hold on to nothing. The God who, embarrassed at the prospect of possession, distributes leaves to the wind and lets them pitch and leap like boys capering out of their skin. The word of God is strewn everywhere around us. In pictures thrown behind hedges, 
poems that skitter backwards over cliffs. Think for a moment. For over 2,000 years, preachers of some sort or fashion have gone into almost every corner of our world. Why? Because Jesus said to. And they told the gospel story. And in some places, that gospel story took root and has grown. And in some places, it took root. But it's not growing so very much. You know, were we to but open our eyes and free up our hearts, we could not miss the presence of this unbelievably generous God who just gives everything away. All of His love, all of His grace, all of His forgiveness. Today's gospel calls on us to open our hearts to the gracious seeds of God's presence scattered so abundantly in our world, a world that, in the striking words of the poet Gerald Manley Hopkins, is charged with the grandeur of God. The problem is that we so often don't pay enough attention to that word or let it take root in the soil of our hearts. Oh, there's been preachers. Good Lord, there have been preachers. We've been dragged to mass. We have been dragged to church by our grandmothers. We have been sat down in front of a television or a radio or something because grandmother wanted to hear that preacher and you were going to sit with her. Mm, but your heart wasn't much in it and the soil of your heart certainly wasn't in it. Oh, there have been plenty of preachers. But sometimes we just have failed to listen. The soil of our lives can become dry and hard through neglect. Or it can get choked out by weeds. And dear God, there are lots of weeds around in this world at this time. Lots of weeds, lots of things to choke out the gospel from our lives. It may require clearing, cultivation, weeding, feeding, to become receptive to the seed of God's word. For most of us, the cultivation of the soil of our hearts remains a constant and demanding challenge. It's something we have to do every day. But as Isaiah reminds us in today's first reading, we must not lose heart. God's word will accomplish the purpose for which it was sent. Not always on our timetable, but it will. 
And that purpose, as our second reading for today makes clear, includes the transformation of all created things. There is a, a theology developed by some of the very early church fathers who said, when Adam and Eve fell, all creation fell. Did you ever wonder why there's poison ivy? I want you to think about that for a minute. What in the world good is poison ivy? But I got to believe at some point in the creation of the world, God had a good plan for poison ivy. And for some reason, it's part of the fallen world order. And if you've never had a good case of poison ivy, you don't know what I'm talking about. But if you're a young kid who liked to play in the woods, never did figure out why. Mosquitoes. I don't know. I think they're fallen. That's just my personal opinion. And then, you know, in that creation story in Genesis, God says that he's going to put enmity. Now, that's a word you use every day, isn't it? Enmity. Put enmity between the snake and the children of Eve. Enmity is sort of an inbred hatred. I watch uh, you know, some show on television and the guy's a herptologist and he reaches into a cage and pulls out the most deadly viper in all of God's creation and then he's going to take it over here and milk it. If I had a gun handy, I'd shoot the television. That's how badly I hate snakes. But a friend, before he died, he knew he had a big old corn snake. Now, corn snakes are good, I'm told. I don't believe it, but I'm told. And they'll take care of rats and stuff like that under your house and, you know, around the yard and so I was at his place a couple of days ago, and we found a 10-foot skin. That corn snake shed a 10-foot skin. We didn't see the snake. We just we found the skin, measured it. Everybody in the group said, oh, that's a good snake. Ain't no good snake. <laughs> I'm sorry. When God put enmity between the children of the devil, the snake, and the children of Eve, I was first in line with, and got a full supply of enmity. I don't like snakes. 
Think about it for a minute. Adam and Eve just weren't the only two that fell. All of creation fell. And that's the reason why I... Tell me what good cancer is. Somebody. Anybody. If you know what good cancer is, please stand up and tell me what it is because I can't find any good in cancer. And there are so many other things, so many other things that are part of a fallen world, not just the people in it, but the whole world. That second reading tells us, in the words of St. Paul, that from the beginning until now, the entire creation, as we know, has been groaning in one great act of giving birth, of somehow leaving that fallenness behind and joining in to the great celebration of God's love. Creation is not destined for extinction. Now there's some little girl over somewhere, I don't know, Sweden, wherever. She's sort of the prophetess of doom. She says the whole world's going to come to an end and everything is horrible and if we don't uh, quit using paper cups, you know, the world will end in another eight years. And then there's our old friend Al Gore who's missed it twice so far timetables of when the world was going to end and collapse and fall in on itself. And and we got some problems, but there are proponents of what's called the Extinction Rebellion. And they just know for sure that the world is going to fall apart. And they're just arguing with each other as to who's got the right date. My friends... God, through Jesus Christ, has redeemed the whole world. It is intended to share in the glory of Christ's resurrection. However, it is surely groaning today under the relentless impact of we human beings. But then again, the dinosaurs made an impact as well. Our destiny and the destiny of creation They're inseparably connected, and creation will be redeemed as we have been redeemed. While it is God who ultimately liberates and transforms, we're invited to be his active representatives, working with him under his authority to develop, to heal, to restore And yes, even to recycle the whole created order. Creation will be freed from its enslavement to the fallenness of the world only when our hearts are transformed by the seed of God's word and we learn to live as his children and citizens of his kingdom You know, every once in a while, a preacher goes from preaching to meddling. 
and I don't want to meddle in anybody's business, but dear Lord, have you ever seen the pictures of the little children in Africa, especially in the Congo, who are eight years old in a mud puddle panning for the special minerals that are needed to make lithium batteries to run electric cars, etc., etc., etc. I've seen those pictures multiple times. My friends, in my heart, it looks like slavery. Eight-year-old little boys panning for cobalt. And I think, dear God, that looks just like slavery, except it's on another continent, so we're not going to pay much attention to it. We've got to be careful what we catch on to because it may not be always the answer. While it is God who ultimately liberates and transforms, we are indeed invited to be his active representatives working with him and under his authority to develop, heal, restore, and have eyes that actually see when the answer isn't the answer throughout the whole of creation. Creation will be freed from its enslavement only when our hearts are transformed by the seed of God's word and we learn to live as his children and children of his kingdom and children of his creation. St. Paul reminds us that while we have received the first fruits of the Spirit, we too groan inwardly as we struggle to allow God's Spirit to reign in our hearts and to transform us so that we become His co-workers in the birth of a really new creation, not just the newest fad. So let us give thanks to the Lord for his invitation to us today and let us continue to prepare the soil of our hearts to receive the seed of God's word and enable it to produce abundant fruit. Amen.